Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, Oval Roach. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh Dashing through the snow In a one-horse open sleigh O'er the fields we go Laughing all the way Bells on bucket ring Making our spirits bright What fun it is to ride and sing Slaying song tonight producer and co-host, as usual, pulling double duty, Chris Morales. Who doesn't get pumped up when listening to a little Frankie to start it off for the holiday season, huh? Oh, yes. Oh, Frankie. Beautiful. 646-564-9909. 646-564-9909 is the number. If you want to give us a call, if you just want to listen to the show, you can go to our website, ocgworks.org. That's ocgworks.org. And click on the OCG Radio Live button. 
You can also go to blogtalkradio.com slash ocgradio. And you don't have to call in on the call-in line to listen to the show unless that's your only means, and by all means, do so. Well, Mr. Producer, happy holidays. Uh, and happy holidays to you as well, Mr. Roach. Uh, a beautiful holiday season upon us. The weather, surprisingly here, not that uh, the rest of the country is with us yeah. on this one, but it's nice out here. Yeah, That's one of the things, one of the thing, few things that I had to get used to living out here on the West Coast up in Northern California. And I have to emphasize Northern California because my my, right. my people back East think that, you know, there's just... It's all the same? It's all the same. <laughs> sure. And I say, no, 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 no. I'm up North. I'm up North. That's right. Um, But yeah, that first holiday season, and uh, it was a balmy 70 degrees. <laughs> right. I'm used to, uh, you know... A crisp, cool 10 degrees with a wind chill of five below. A little hard to get used to that warmness during the uh, holiday season, but I can imagine it is what it is. Quite nice. You're going to uh, take us to a little recap of huh, last week? Yeah, let's do the happy. Here the, uh, the Jamaican consulate is after you still, so you've got some <laughs> things to clear up there. Yeah, let's let's do the happy <laughs> recap. Um, well, one thing we found out, we looked at some research, and so we were talking about in our uh, hot topic segment about the legalization of marijuana, and we, when we were talking about two states in particular that just recently legalized marijuana for recreational use, um, limited quantities, Colorado and Washington. The question came up whether or not they had previously um, legalized it for medicinal use, and right. Washington did in 1998. And Colorado did in 2000. Okay. So it was so long ago that it just wasn't on the radar to even think about. Yeah. Um, but and also in the research, a number actually a number of states have legalized it for medicinal Medical, use. Okay. And then um, California did it in 1996. Just seems like such a long time ago. Um, it does. Uh, no word yet. I have not received any. Uh, FedEx packages uh, return receipt requested from the Jamaican consulate. Okay. Uh, on my status as a result of my comments last week. Okay. Uh, so we're you know we're looking through the blinds and peeking through the windows to make to see if yeah. the coast is clear. Yeah, just make sure you uh, have somebody maybe you don't care for so much open any uh, unmarked packages that come to your house and they re-gift them. I also have to use my uh, contacts. Uh, you know, back on the island to see if everything is cool. Uh, I want to further clarify a statement I made during our discussion about the legalization of marijuana, because as you know, people hear what they want to hear and interpret what they want to interpret. So I, I thought it was important that I clarify something. During my closing of the topic, I stated if you smoked weed to get high, you shouldn't be smoking weed just because it's legal. You recall that, sir? I do indeed. And I want to make sure that that statement is is understood as separate and apart from use of medical marijuana for legitimate purposes. Right. But my caution would still apply about ensuring that you've had an honest and upfront discussion with your doctor to determine that this is your best option. Also, keeping in mind that your choice 
of method of use, i.e., let's say you smoked it in joint form, or you smoked it in bongs, or you smoked it in a pipe, right? that you should be well aware of the impact of the manner in which you use it versus the previous manner you may have used if you use it to get high. Right. Uh, that everything should be on the table for discussion and what impacts it may have. And that also, if you did use it to get high in the past, and you're now you now find yourself in the in, in the position of having to make the decision of whether or not you're going to use it medicinally, the manner in which you use it plays a role in terms of psychologically how it may impact you. Right, what it might kick up for you exactly. or memories or anything like that. Yeah, right. no, definitely a good point. That trigger thing that ties into our show topic, right? That's exactly right. Right. Um, that's it on the recap. Okay, perfect. You want to, uh, we'll, we'll take a little music break. We're going to hit our guests with some of the holiday tunes, uh, for our show this week and hopefully get people in the mood. So we'll have a couple more music breaks than usual, but, uh, we'll take a quick break, uh, music break, and we will get back on the other side with our show topic. is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought some corn for popping. Lights are turned down low, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight, how I'll hate going out in the storm. But if you'll really hold me tight, all the way home I'll be warm. The fire is slowly dying, and my dear, we're still goodbying. Long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. But that fire is mm, delightful Since we've no place to go Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow It does show signs of stopping And I brought lots of corn for popping The lights are way down low So let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow When we finally say goodnight How I'll hate going out of the storm But if you'll only hold me tight All the way home I'll be warm Fire is slowly dying And my dear, we're still goodbye Long as you love me so Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow Frankie. All right, welcome back to Roadshow Recovery. 
Recovery and the holidays. Triggers anyone? (laughs) You know, specifically when you're in recovery, the the holiday times are are not the only times when you're going to experience things that trigger you. But we thought, obviously, that being the holiday season, we'll do a show on triggers that pretty much kick up around the holiday time. It could be people, places, things, um, and then things that branch out off of that. Okay. And just for definition purposes, when we use the term trigger, okay, what we mean by that is something that something that you experience that then causes you to then have some type of behavior that may not be in your best interest or to experience some type of feeling that you don't like, how you then deal with that is another story. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. So let's throw out some examples of either triggers or things that may trigger people during the holidays. I'd say the uh, the, the most basic one or the one that maybe people experience the most is just the simple fact that during family get-togethers, people are drinking. Alcohol is Breaking out the booze. That's it. People are toasting and having a good time, whether it be wine, champagne, beer, uh, cocktails, whatever the case may be. Jack Daniels. <laughs> When uh, families get together, a lot of families are going to be drinking, and so that's kind of the obvious one. Uh, If you plan on being with your family, the odds are, unless your entire family is in recovery and nobody's feeling like relapsing, there's going to be alcohol around. Mm -hmm. Unless, unless, even if they're not in recovery, there just happens to be a family norm that alcohol is just not part of the family, you know. It's accepted, sure. Thanks. So, yeah, you're at the table. Grandpa breaks out the uh, 1982. uh... (laughs) Right, the Merlot. (laughs) And we even touched on this a little bit last week with one of our callers that you're you're going to be triggered. Right. So that's a a great example of a trigger that you can't hide from not only at the family table, but just walking down the street, um, listening to the radio, watching TV with all the sporting events going on this time of the year. Um, There's going to be alcohol advertisement. And so if, you know, if alcohol was one of your, uh, your struggles and one of the things you're in recovery for, um, it's going to, you know, there is going to be triggers. Now, triggers doesn't mean, if you're triggered, it doesn't mean, that, oh, I want to drink. That's not what it means. Now, for some, it may mean that, but not for everyone. Triggers may mean that you see, you feel, you experience, you then have a mechanism to cope. Yeah. The problem comes in on that, that very last one. If the person hasn't developed their coping mechanisms to deal with the triggers that arise. And and that's where people in recovery trip up. The trip up happens in the coping because we are going to be triggered. 
And when you're sitting around that dinner table and Grandpa breaks out that 1982 Merlot and everyone is clinking glasses. We got a clinking sound effect? No, we don't got one. All right. (laughs) Everyone's clinking glasses and whatnot. And, you know, you got your club soda and clinking, you know. Right. You know, because the clinking is, is just a ritual. You know, right, yeah, the people, toast. People can toast with, you know, apple juice or of water, course. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you know, in my in my uh, nuclear family and my my larger family, i.e. my siblings and so on and so forth, alcohol was not a part of our family. So if there was any toasting going on other than bread, it was going to be with some, uh, you know, homemade juice by the mom or, <laughs> or, or whatnot. Yeah, sure, okay. Um, but that is often not the case. Also, people associate, especially people in recovery, you know, the holiday times, you know, you know, good times, and you know, we we rewarded ourselves with 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 uh, you know, getting high. I mean, eventually, we we gave ourselves any reason, you know, the right. the Jets lost, that was a reason. The Jets won, that was a reason. You know, it doesn't make a difference. The Jets had a bye week. Okay, that was that was a reason. <laughs> so you eventually got to you gave yourself any reason to get right. high, but. You know, you would, you know, the holiday time, you know, people are, uh, you know, drinking and, you know, getting high in a celebratory manner, so to speak. And, you know, people are still doing that. Okay. Right. And, but that's not your life anymore. But that doesn't mean the world has stopped and that others have stopped and, you know, people in your family have stopped, et cetera. And so how am I going to cope with that? You know, if that's, you know, if I see that in front of me, what am I, what are the coping mechanisms I've either developed over the years or what are the coping mechanisms that I'm still practicing and working on? Well, we certainly don't want any fisticuffs at the table. You trying to impose, you know, martial law around the table in terms of what people can do in terms of whether or not they can drink alcohol or not. Um, You know, if the... If the patriarch of the house allows it, you got to you have to then decide whether or not you're going to participate in the family function. If that's you know that's so you know such a a big you know issue for you. Yeah. But ultimately, what I, I like to counsel people on is you must reach a point in your recovery where you can you can be in those environments, um, those social settings, those functional uh, those functions, and participate, whether it be with your family or others, and not allow the environment and what's going on in the environment to dictate what you do. And it it does take practice. It does take uh, being in that situation to, you know, learn to develop practicing and developing those coping mechanisms um, and then as you, as I said last week to one of the calls, and as you do it more and more and more, it then becomes easier and easier and easier, okay? And it doesn't mean that there isn't a trigger, whether it be a mental trigger, i.e. a, a memory or um, an emotional trigger, depending on what's connected to it for the individual. It's whether or not they have developed the ability to deal with it in a constructive manner, Rather than ripping the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the bandaid off the, the tablecloth off, yeah, off the table and you know having all the glasses spill uh, and, yes. and whatnot, so that's that's a big trigger around the holidays. Is definitely the uh, the alcohol. 
Absolutely. Uh, another good one is, um, so say you are new, relatively new in recovery, and it's your first year home, your first year back. So let's, I guess this would pertain to maybe residential, somebody who was in a residential program. It's your first year back home, your first year with the family. Now, maybe uh, you're, as I guess I just, uh, I'll steal this uh, line from you, your nuclear family, mm-hmm. which is uh, new to me. But So maybe your nuclear family, uh, your core. I, I learned that word from someone else, by the way. Okay. Uh, knows that you've been away, knows that you're in recovery. But a lot of times for the holidays, extended family get together. People who may not be aware that you necessarily went somewhere to get help for a problem with alcohol or something else. Uh, and they offer you a drink, not knowing really the situation. Uh, and so not necessarily the difficulty in saying no because you know you shouldn't do it, but maybe a feeling of kind of shame or the stigma that's attached to it because now there's going to be a question. Well, why, you know, why don't you want to have a drink? And being left to explain, you know, well, you know, I got a problem or whatever the case may be um, – could also put people in a difficult – it might be easier just to say yes, have a drink, think you can get away with it, mm-hmm. you know? Compromise yourself uh, because of what you're, what you're feeling, um, shame, embarrassment, etc. <clears throat> and what we want to do is we want to flip that around. We want to flip the script from feeling shame and embarrassment to feeling pride and um, confidence in yourself – that you know this is this is who you are this is what you're doing and i and, and i'm pr- i'm i'm proud of myself and i have no problem saying i don't drink or i don't drink anymore and and, and if someone wants to question hey why not it's just one little uh one little glass <laughs> right uh, what's that going to do what's that going to hurt and being able to maintain you know you're being you know being firm maintaining your your position while still being Social, yeah, cordial, cordial, etc. Um, and especially if it's with, if it's not with family, who would probably already know your circumstance and the background and whatnot. But if it's not with family, being okay with sharing, you know, I'm in recovery, right? You know, and so I don't drink anymore. I used to drink, or I don't drink at all, etc. And 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 feeling good about saying that, and let the other person. You know, Take put the uncomfortability. Yeah, let them be on the spot. <laughs> well, you know, whoa, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's, that's been an age-old thing in recovery in general is the, okay, so you've gotten used to saying no, maybe in a social setting or whatever, but then the explanation, if the question is asked, well, why? People have been trying to come up with the perfect answer forever, and, mm-hmm. and the, people will share it with other people in recovery. I've heard... Um, I'm too good at it, you know <laughs> you know what I mm-hmm. mean, or anything to avoid maybe being really direct, and so this is kind of something that's as old as recovery itself mm-hmm. the the how to explain it, but and even if you're you know as I wrote in my show description even if you're a grizzled veteran in in recovery, um you know you're not immune from those situations and circumstances where you might be put in a position where you have to explain yourself right and and it's okay. You know, it, it it it's okay, and it's to me, at least to me personally, it it feels good to be able to uh, use, and you should feel good to use your story as a story of of accomplishment, of overcoming uh, something that was detrimental to you, 
as an inspiration, etc. And at least in my experience, the response from the other person has always been one of, you know, the, the facial expression, expression or either the verbal response has has been like the nod of, of wow, that's great stuff. It's great stuff, and 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 they slowly pull pull the other glass away that they've been you know pushing into your chest. <laughs> right. Pull the chablis away. Right. Uh, families themselves. So we talked a little about substances, but just being around your family can be a trigger. Yep. You know, especially if you, you know you've had years of you know doing wrong and doing them wrong and and whatnot, and then you got those family members that you got to look in the eye. Yes. You know. And um, maybe those bridges haven't been mended yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, how am I going to, uh, you know, handle this situation? Wow, every time Mr. time of year comes around and we get the family get together, you know, and, you know, I got Uncle Bob over there who I – you know, stole some money from back in the day. (laughs) And I got Aunt Marge over there who, you know – Took her car on a wild ride and got pulled over for a DUI, and you know they always give me the look, you know. Uh, so that just being around your family uh, could bring up uh, uh, triggers. How do you handle that? Yeah, that's a very good one as well, um, because more often than not, or more more, it's more than likely that if you were in that kind of a lifestyle, if you struggled with addiction at some point. There are people that loved you and, and that you loved or that you were close with, family members, that you have probably done wrong in some <laughs> form or fashion. That's just the way it works. They got the APB out on you for 10, <laughs> for 10 years. Right, right. And so having to learn how to, like you said, cope with that, mend those bridges mm-hmm. um, is a big one. And, you know, and and I can't speak for everybody's family, uh, but more often than not, that demon is as large as we create ourselves. Mm-hmm. That if uh, you went to Aunt Marge and had a face-to-face and apologized for taking the car and whatever, having it impounded at the end of your wild goose chase, uh, and apologized, you know, for what you've done and, you know, you've made a change, odds are Aunt Marge is going to forgive and move on. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way it is. But it's that what we build up in our head to be the leading up to that conversation and what she's going to say and everything, that demon is typically has only as much fuel as we give it. And so uh, being able to overcome that, getting over the, just that initial step of let me go and and have a conversation and explain myself. uh, Usually things take care of themselves after that. Well, that, that what usually unfortunately sometimes happens is that 1% fear out of uh, on a hundred percent scale, that one percent fear that Aunt Marge is going to say, "Well, well, you're darn right. You should be sorry." Right. You know, the fear of that response, rather than the other response, which more often than not, ninety-nine percent of the time, especially if they see that there has been a demonstrated change. Right. Not a not a talking change, but a demonstrated change that this person has turned their life around. You know, the taking of the car and all that stuff goes by the wayside because the life right. is ultimately more important. And the fact that they see what you're doing with your with your life and the change you've made, that becomes immaterial. 
that all that you know all the stuff that you did you know taking up the car and so on so becomes immaterial even whatever financial impact there may have been of the car being impounded and all you know whatever financial damage you may have caused ultimately if you're doing your thing they will forgive you the question is will you forgive yourself right right so yes families themselves are a trigger what about friends they, yeah, going back, you know, going, you know, seeing old friends and 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 going back around the way. And a lot of time, um, and especially for younger folks in recovery, uh, you know, a lot of people have friends who are away at school. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Everyone's away at school, and then when the holidays come up and schools go on breaks, these friends come back mm-hmm. because you guys grew up in the same neighborhood. That's where the families live, mm-hmm. and seeing the return of these old faces and. More often than not, usually in the younger crowd, when people are coming back from school and people are on breaks, people are going out to the bars. People are uh, there was this thing in San Francisco. I don't know if you saw on the news, but it's uh, everybody dresses up like Santa, right? It's a it's a younger kind of crowd thing, but everyone goes out there. They dress up like Santa Claus, and I guess you know maybe they make their rounds around the bars in the city. And if you're dressed up like Santa, you get a free drink or whatever. One of the uh, one of the gentlemen, not so smart, thought because there were so many Santas that he could go in and rob a bank dressed as Santa, and they wouldn't <laughs> be able to pick him out from everyone else. But he was the only Santa in the bank, I believe, so not so well thought out for mm-hmm. that for that young man. But point being, for the younger crowd, when it's the holidays and people are back in town, people are going out, they're dancing, they're drinking, they're having a good time. And, um, boy, it can be real difficult to either a go out and be a part of that social gathering so you can catch up with people and not get caught up or b if you don't feel comfortable enough to be in that position yet saying no and you know whatever staying at home and watching uh espn while everyone is out having a great time Mm -hmm. so you know what do you do so yeah you're right friends also a major major part of that so whenever we get on a subject about triggers and, and and again, they're not just limited to this time of the year, but we are just talking mostly about triggers that come up this time of the year. I always like to hammer home one of my favorite unwritten philosophies, to be aware is to be alive. And one of the things I used to try and, and, and counsel clients on, the the unwritten philosophy does not mean, although it does practically mean this, someone could say, it doesn't mean... Y- Please look both ways before you cross the street, because if you don't, you might get hit by a bus. <laughs> and die. Okay? Right. It does not mean that, although it does mean that at the same time. But it has a deeper meaning to be aware to be alive. When you are aware of how you're feeling or how something makes you feel, you then put yourself in a position where you can then control what you do. Right. Or what you say, and so as people are, there, there are many people who are currently in treatment right now, and they're going to be in treatment in some form, whether it be residential, day treatment, outpatient, whatever, through the holiday season, and they're going to experience triggers, triggers related to the holidays, and just triggers related to everyday life being in recovery. Okay, and if you're aware of okay, what's triggering me and why, then the process of developing the coping mechanism can begin. But if you're oblivious to why I'm feeling this way, 
What's triggering me? I have no idea. Why am I being triggered? I have no clue. Then we have a problem because what's coming down the pike is when you have no awareness of what, why you're feeling a certain way, I can predict what's going to happen down the road. Right. And so when people are, are being triggered, you're sitting at the table during the holiday dinner, and you're seeing the alcohol being passed back and forth, or you're seeing, you're, as you described, you're going out to the social event with, with the old buddies, and you see them go off into the corner. You know what's happening over there because you used to be in that corner, okay? But that's <laughs> right. not you anymore, but it right. doesn't stop you from being you know, out at the social event, okay? But being able to recognize, understand, be aware, okay, process in your mind, you know, what's, what, what may be going on with you at that moment in time, okay, to be aware, to be alive, so you can then move on with what you're doing, control what you're doing, control what you're saying, to be aware is to be alive. To me, when it comes to triggers, that's a big unwritten philosophy that ties into it. I agree. I agree. I like that one a lot. Um, like you said, on a more not so figuratively speaking, but um, it can mean something a lot deeper than that. And if you are aware of yourself, you are aware of how you feel and you're honest with that. Because it's one thing to be aware of how you're feeling, but to actually do something about that, be honest with yourself and go beyond acknowledging it and do what you know you should do uh, is a step that some people struggle with. And I also wanted to bring up uh, you know, moving back to families, but on the other end of the spectrum, um, holidays bringing up bad memories because maybe um, you don't have any real family, or um, you know, the the idea of the holidays is families getting together, right? And right. A lot of love, and you know, the exchanging of gifts and catching up with people, and um, a very attached family kind of oriented time is the holidays. And if you're coming from a place where you kind of grew up without a family, uh, who knows, maybe mom or dad are incarcerated or passed away, or, you know, you went through the foster system and you don't have that real sense of family and attachment that when these times come up and you take a look around and you see everywhere you look, families having a great time and getting together and you don't feel like you have that, that can also be a huge trigger for people, um, you know, might make you want to use or, or kick up some depression, maybe some, you know, some things that an individual would have to deal with when all they see on television and out in the streets and in the malls are families together and enjoying this time, um, you know, it reminds you of maybe what you don't have or what you wish you did have. And that can be triggering for folks as well. That's a great point. This time of the year, I think, I think this time of the year is the highest in terms of of people suffering, you know, from depression because of what you just stated. It could be a lonely time of the year if if your situation is as just what you described. Hello. And so, hello. Especially if. For people who are in recovery, it is it is hoped that they have established in their recovery circle 
a a good support network that can become that family. I know in Daytop, I know in OCG, and I know in other programs that I have visited and, 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 and met people in that people have come in just as you described that there, there there are no families because of certain things that have occurred. And the family in the program becomes the family. And they latch on to that family. And me personally, there was no better time than being in, in Daytop during the holiday season. Now, Back then, it was a family of 250, and like any large family, you know, you know, you got your problems. You know, you got those you like, those you don't like, but everyone still comes together, regardless of how we feel about each other. And you know, at, at certain times, everyone comes together as a family. So it's hoped that someone, regardless of what their actual blood family situation may be, that if they are lacking that, that they can have that replacement family, which can be the family in in their peer recovery support network. And I know we've pushed people to make sure that, you know, we I mean, we always used to say, I mean, you'll, if you come out of treatment, you're lucky if you come out of there with one friend. That's, that's the saying. But, of course, during the whole process, we push people to make as many friends or start building as many friendships as possible so that there is, you do have a support network in case you don't have a family. Right. Or if your family is on the other side of the country or in another country. You know what I'm saying? And how many people do we experience around the holiday times, whether it be Thanksgiving or, or, you know, this holiday season that come back to the facilities and eat with the family and spend time with the family because it's just them. Right. And we encourage it. Of course. We encourage it. And we even say, make, you know, come back. We will always be your family. And so we hope that people, as they as they go out and, and start to rebuild their lives, that if they have blood family, that they reconnect with their family. And, and if they're not able to reconnect, that they have established enough of a, a support group, a support network that can then become that family for them. Because you're absolutely right. The, the the lack of family is a tremendous trigger. Yeah, it absolutely can be. It absolutely can be. And a lot a lot more people deal with that than people might imagine. Um, and especially uh, for people in addiction. Because a, a lot of the time... Burn bridges. Yeah, they're, they're burn bridges. And then a lot of the time, if, if you happen to struggle with addiction, you're not the only one in your family that struggled with it. The odds of you having a parent who struggled with it, um, you know, might be higher than someone who hasn't. And if that's the case, then it, you know, that person might not have parents that they can go home to or whatever the case may be. So, and I think you summed it up pretty nicely there about building up that recovery network and that support network and allowing that to become your family, that that people preach that, uh, because that can be really important for folks. I know that um, in the 12-step um, arena that they're very big on that. Um, and, you know, the the availability of meetings, you know, ramp up during this holiday time um, so that people do have a place to go fellowship. 
and um, right. and and be with other people, um, so that they don't, they don't if if they're they don't have family, they don't have to be alone. How about another trigger? Um, just bad memories associated with this time of the year. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, I've had uh, terrible Christmases. Never got gifts, or you know, whatever might have caused the terrible sure. memories. Sure. And so when this time of the year comes around, these memories flood back to the forefront. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, people deal with that in different ways. Sometimes they uh, overgift their, you know, if it happened to them as kids, they overgift their children. <laughs> their kids I mean? are getting. Santa is struggling to get down that chimney with oh. how big the bag of toys is. Right. Um, so yeah, there can be bad memories around this time of the year um, that people struggle with from their childhood. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, the bad memories, and like you said, it could be something as small as maybe not getting gifts. Something that pops up in my mind for folks is this could be a time of year where maybe they've lost some members of their family. Uh, and so having, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever, whatever holiday you may celebrate, come around and, you know, having it remind you of maybe those that you've lost around this time can just re-kick up all those feelings again um, and, you know, can be really challenging for folks to deal with that as well. I think the key thing to remember is um, you're going to have triggers, period. And for different things, different reasons, and each one, as as you experience life and you become aware that, hey, this is a trigger for me in this area for this reason, that each one must be coped with. And obviously the goal is that they're coped with in a, a positive and constructive manner. Ultimately, that's that's what we want to get across. And... People must talk about what they're going through, what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. There's always got to be someone that you can talk to, whether it's someone in your family, someone outside the family. There always has to be someone. You 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 cannot talk to yourself. Right. It's a recipe for disaster. Right. And I also like the idea of flipping the momentum, flipping the tradition. Okay, so the holidays haven't been good to this point in my life. Reminding yourself to be grateful for what you do have, the fact that you are alive, you are well. If you are fresh in recovery, hey, you're not getting high. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And although this Christmas or this holiday season may not be what you have envisioned it to be in your mind's eye or what your ideal holiday might be, you know what, there's still a lot to be thankful for. And this can be one Christmas that I attach a good memory with, you know, the fact that I stayed strong and maybe moving forward, you build off of that and you flip it. You flip from the holiday season having, um, you know, poor memories or or a rough time to good memories and things that are good and positive, Um, you know, and that can be really big for folks as well, because, you know what, when you really when you really boil it down and take a look at um some of the things that you can be grateful for, it it can usually be a pretty good reminder of, you know what, things aren't 
as bad as they seem, you know. Things may not be as bad as they appear. That's right. You have the, the ability to change your reality. All right, sir. Where are we at in terms of time? I think uh, we're already starting to get some callers calling in, and we also wanted to end the show today with uh, some, some Christmas hits for folks, so the show will end a little early. So maybe instead of waiting for the top of the hour, we can take a quick little break and come back and start taking phone calls uh, so maybe we can try and get through all of them today. All right. So what we'll do is we'll take a break. When we come back, uh, I'm going to tell a short story, and then we'll uh, hit the phone. Sounds good. So that's it on triggers. Triggers anyone? <laughs> that's it. That's it. Stay strong, everybody. We will uh, get you guys on the other side for those of you who are on hold. Roach on Recovery. On behalf of OCG's Board of Directors, staff and clients, would like to wish the families and friends of OCG clients and the listeners to OCG Recovery Radio a very safe and happy holiday season. Roach on Recovery is a program of OCG Radio. It deals with many topics related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment and recovery. Our Recovery Support Time is a show segment where you can receive support from our host for any questions or issues you wish to present related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment or recovery. You can reach our host live by calling 646-564-9909. That's 646-564-9909. Or you can send your questions via email at any time to ocgworkca at gmail.com. That's ocgworkca at gmail.com. And our host will respond to your questions on the air. Roach on Recovery. Recovery support time. A time for us to help you. Back to Roach on Recovery. Quick story before we enter our recovery support time. This time of the year, I call Murderer's Row for me. 
not for a bad reason. It's just how the stars have aligned for my wife. Now, she's from England, by the way. So, first, you have the Christmas holiday, right? That's December 25th. She's a December 31st baby. Born on December, so she was born on December 31st. Then we also instituted New Year's gifting to bring in the new year. <laughs> okay. Then Valentine's Day creeps up very right around, quick, the, corner. Right around the corner. <laughs> and then you only get a mile to break until Mother's Mother's Day. Whew. So it's like this run that just, you know, just never ends. Ne- never ends. Okay. Also, I think uh, my reign has is coming to an end. Uh, <laughs> okay. My reign's coming to an end, and and we'll talk about. I'm not going to take up the caller's time, but uh, I, I've 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 ruled for twenty twenty two years. That's how old my oldest child is twenty two. I've ruled okay. for twenty two years, and uh, this this. This Sunday, or I don't know if it was last Sunday, but one of the two recent Sundays, football Sundays, of course, and I went into the living room to get my usual spot, and there was my daughter, my grandson, somebody else, all occupying my 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 spot, <laughs> oh, my location, no. my for the, no. for the games. Oh man! And at that moment, I had to make a split call. I, do I do I fight or do I is it is it fight or flight? <laughs> Right, right. I, I just put my head down and turned back and went the other way. There you go. And I've got and I'm in a relatively similar boat in regards to the wife and uh days for gifting, if you will, because my wife refuses to uh only acknowledge our wedding anniversary as our true anniversary. She likes to acknowledge the anniversary of when we first started to date. Oh, stop it, stop, stop. Don't give any ideas. Excuse me, because I know my wife's listening. Stop. <laughs> I, I got to do it. So that's December 26th. Okay, so you got Christmas and then that, and then you want to talk about Valentine's and a birthday being close. You got Valentine's and then my wife's birthday, February 17th, no more than three days later. So it's a pretty rough 60-day go of it for me as well. But I, I have to say my wife takes the cake because she has instituted uh, taking out credits on future Future, future Le- events. Leans on future exactly. events. Exactly, and then you, you lose track. You know, if you're not, if your records aren't in order, you lose track of you know where you're standing, and she's getting over. All right, <laughs> let's go to the calls. Uh, Adam was first from Robwood City. If you wanted to take Adam, okay. Adam, welcome to Roach on Recovery. Thank you, thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Um, I had a question uh, for you in regard to uh, what you guys were talking about uh, in regard to the holidays. Uh, I'm in Mm -hmm. in treatment right now, Um, four months in. I'm actually four months sober, and I haven't been sober for uh, 15 years, Uh, alcohol being the main main thing with me. Uh, But in regard to the holidays, I've spent many holidays uh, alone um, and uh, birthdays as well uh, with from other circumstances, but still in my addiction. Uh, mm-hmm. This holiday, I'm actually, or the, these holidays that this past, um, and, and the one that's coming up Christmas, I am actually in treatment. Uh, however, I'm dealing with a divorce and um, custody issues and so forth. And I just wanted to know, moving forward, some keys to successful sobriety after treatment. Um, 
because I know next set of holidays I'll be thinking about, you know, the this la- you know the divorce. All this I think will come up, and I just want to make sure I can maintain the strength to uh, to be sober because uh, I know those thoughts uh, will, will come into my mind. What you will do is you will use and abuse the treatment program that you're in as your support mechanism and other outside support mechanisms that you may develop along the way, i.e. people or or groups, etc., um, to lean on. Because a year from now, that's considered still fresh. Right. No, it's not like it's 10 years ago that this happened. It's going to be a year from now. And so, of course, we're going to go one day at a time. But because you're now going to go through these holidays clean, sober, strong, and you're going to be around other people that are doing the same, okay, when next year comes around, okay, you have uh, one frame of reference to look back on that was positive. We 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 already know about the negative. We already know about right. the last 10 years that were negative. But we now have a new frame of reference to look back on. Wow, that was a positive experience last Christmas. That was a positive experience last Thanksgiving. We have a new frame of reference. It all depends on what the person chooses, which reference the person chooses to focus on. So you're going to focus on the positive one, the most recent one. And then because the other experience you mentioned is going to be still new, you can always get support because you already know, you know, hey, you know, I I may be going through stuff around that time. So we know in advance, you know what, I'm going to make sure around that time that I'm around people that can support me. I can talk about what I'm going through, talk about what I'm feeling. I'm going to plan that out so that I'm not left alone by myself to my own thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, um, oh. yeah. I mean, I guess I'm, uh, I'm, I'm assuming where my mindset might be, you know, a year from now. But um, it just uh, was a concern, just because I, I really haven't felt or thought in a clear, with clarity. Uh, now I feel, you know, as I'm processing everything, uh, process what's going on outside of treatment. Um, it just seems that it, it would arise. Yes, and. Yeah, you, it is true. You are thinking way ahead, but you're not off base. You're not off base. I wouldn't spend a lot of time right now focused on that, but you're not off base in terms of what you might experience when that time comes around next year. So it doesn't hurt to plan. Right, right. Okay? Right. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Take care. Bye. So that's a perfect example of what we were exactly talking about. Exactly. All right, let's hit up uh, Eric. Eric calling from Oakland. Eric, welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. Good. I'm uh, kind of like your last caller. I'm also in treatment at the moment, and um, I'm also wondering about sponsorship. I know um, the treatment facility that I'm at, we don't really get to go to outside meetings. Um, and so I'm worried about when I do leave that I'm not going to have that connection with anybody else to um, to have a sponsor initially. How would you go about 
or how should I go about getting a sponsor um, right off the bat? And also, how important is it to have a sponsor in recovery? Do you, do you mean during the time that you're in treatment or post, post-treatment? post I'm or more both. concerned with post-treatment. Um, obviously, I'd like to build a relationship with somebody while I'm in here, but since my resources are limited, um, mm-hmm. I guess it's more applies to when I to when I leave treatment. I'd like to have kind of a plan of action for when I leave. Okay. Um, you should make sure that whatever treatment setting you're in, mm-hmm. that you should try and develop as many, you know, support persons in your peer group or what have you that you can. Okay. And if you end up having one that's solid as a rock, then count yourself lucky and fortunate. But you want to try and establish as many as you can. Okay. Okay. And we talked about it in one of our earlier shows. When people use the term sponsor, the sponsor is is a person that fills a certain role. And so that can be filled by anyone who doesn't actually have that title, quote, unquote, as formally, that's my sponsor. You know what I mean? It's a person that's there for you or persons that's there for you when you need someone to talk to, you, you you need some support, you might be going through a tough time and they can steer you, direct you, guide you, etc. You know what I mean? Okay. Someone you can lean yeah. on. And so it it could be the person who fills that role could be anyone, it could be a friend you make in treatment. Hmm. That's interesting. You know what I mean? And yeah. there's also nothing wrong with going out post treatment. And if you want to, get a formal sponsor out of the 12-step realm. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that either. So it's kind of like having a support unit, regardless of the title. It's just having someone that you can fall back on and you can talk to about whatever issues I'd be having, so to speak. I'm sorry, repeat that. I said so the sponsorship is more about having somebody that would be there as a support unit. Uh, regardless yes. of their title, if they're an official sponsor in the 12-step program or whether they're just a, a friend that you can talk to. Exactly. Okay. It's the role. It's the role. Okay, wonderful. And okay. Wh- an- another almost a follow-up question on it. I'm. My addiction is drugs. However, when I've gone to Narcotics Anonymous meetings, it seems that the meetings are – I see a lot of my old friends there. So I tend to go to AA meetings more often. Um, than NA meetings just because just so I don't run into old old um, old acquaintances. Would it be wise to get a sponsor in AA even though I don't have an alcoholic problem? It, it doesn't make a difference actually. Okay. It's not it's not whether it's AA, NA, CA, etc. The 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 steps. You know, if you're going to work the steps, the steps are the steps. They don't okay. change based on whichever one. And of course, if 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 one setting you don't find appropriate for whatever reasons, use the other. Okay. Trust me, if 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 you go to an AA meeting and you know, you just are talking about addiction, no one's going to throw you out because oh, you're it's not an alcohol addiction. Okay. They don't work that way. Or okay. at least they shouldn't. They shouldn't. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your help. I appreciate Thank you, the sir. advice. Yeah, have a happy, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yep. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Did I mention that tomorrow's the last day of Hanukkah?
No, you did not. Oh, okay. But you have now. Okay. It's just, it's not often that it just matches up right with, you know, Hanukkah ending and Christmas starting. Usually it's like a week in between or something. All right, okay. Uh, let's see. Who do we got, sir? Who do we got? We got a, a caller who's called in a couple of times, calling from your uh, old stomping grounds. Oh, okay. Miss Catherine. Hello, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. Happy holidays. Great topic. Um, I have a comment. Mm-hmm. When I was a counselor, I used to tell my clients, I used to teach them rather, open-end questions. Wherein you're going around people for the holidays? Mm-hmm. Firmly, I don't drink. You know, because if you're saying I can't, somebody's going to want to know why. Mm-hmm. But if you say I don't, that's the end of it. Excellent. Another yep. thing is, I had a client. Now this is this is really your your topic is beautiful. That traditionally his grandmother would bake marijuana brownies. <laughs> he had a child in foster care that we were trying mm-hmm. to get out. Mm-hmm. So his question to me was, how do I disrespect my grandmother? Now, you know, as a counselor, we can't tell you what to do. Right. So my thing was, what's more important to you, having your child or disrespecting your grandmother? The decision is yours and what you're going to do about it. He went to the family function, told his grandmother he couldn't eat her brownies. She stood up and turned her back on him. Mm. He was so hurt, but he got his child out of foster care. Mm. I don't know if they ever meant that relationship. Mm-hmm. But um, the holidays and traditions are really strong with some families. Mm-hmm. So how do people deal with that? You gave a perfect example. People are often put in these positions of, you know, I can't, should I show up, not show up? Am I going to, you know, hurt my mother's feelings or my dad's feelings if I don't show up? And you know, a lot of stuff kicks up. You know, and, and yeah. you could be forty, you could be forty-four, and feel like you're fourteen, in in trying to make these decisions. But the point you made with the story you just gave that 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 person—I'm not sure what their age was—but whatever, I, I presume they were an adult. They he made was an adult, adult yes, with a family. He, he, right, he made an adult decision. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He, the 14-year-old in him didn't win out. The adult, the father in him won out. The adult won out. Right. And and hopefully, and you said you don't know for sure if it happened, but hopefully that they were able to go back and mend that because ultimately is a brownie cake or whatever it was, uh, you know, more important than us? True. That's true. Well, I love your show. All the topics are great, and this one was a really great one. So you all have a happy Thank holiday. You too. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. And we're, also com- we're always comforted when we see you there on the line. Thank you. I'm always listening to your show. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. One of the things that we were talking about, if you remember, we were talking about triggers, you know, do you, are you, are you going to stand up and, you know, be a grown-up? 
and and say and right. actually she gave an excellent thing to say about instead of saying well I can't do it you know you say I, I don't do it I don't right. indulge and it eliminates even the question right so that was an excellent point that is absolutely and that to our storehouse of knowledge that we can then <laughs> reuse right, right. six months and you know, it's in the pick and pull yeah uh, let's go to Dylan. Yes. From Richmond. Um, Go ahead, uh, sir. I have a question. Go ahead. My family is, like, never, like, coming together for Christmas. And, Mm -hmm. like, they're always, like, divided when it comes Mm -hmm. to the holiday seasons. Physically divided or you mean when you say divided? And they're never in touch. Like during okay. the year, like I would go to, from my aunt's house to my grandmother's house, and from my grandmother's house to my cousin's house, and like everywhere I go, they like like family is just like a hard topic to bring up for them. Mm. So, how do I deal with that? Do I like try to bring it up, or do I just play the cards how they come? <clears throat> well, let me just ask some clarifying questions. So. The family is divided, so everyone is just at where they're at. No one, the family doesn't come together like a big gathering or you know multiple gatherings of family members. Everyone just stays where they're at. Okay, and so if you want to see your family, you got to go to this person's house, that person's house, that person's. You know, you just got to go all over to see them. Right. And then when the subject comes, go ahead. And most of the time I do, and I would go to, like, from Pittsburgh to Richmond, from Richmond to Redwood City, and from Redwood City back up to Oakland. And, like, just traveling would take up my whole day. And now, when like when went, the subject when the subject comes up, Dylan, do you, I mean, do you bring up the subject, or have you ever brought up the subject about, hey, well, how come we don't all get together sometimes, you know, as a family? No, I kind of sit back because... Like, when, because I've got kind of a strong will about things, mm-hmm. and if it and if it gets kind of sensitive, I'm scared to hurt somebody's feelings. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel bad when I hurt people's feelings, especially All right, let me... about trying to bring some unity somewhere or something like that, positive, you know? All right, let me ask you this. What, what do you want, what would you like to see happen within your family? Just a family gathering, just like, you know, the old days. Okay. <clears throat> Something like that. So there's one of two things you can do. One is if it's that important to you, you can be the person that makes it happen or attempt to make it happen. And if it happens, wonderful. You got what you wanted. If it doesn't happen, meaning that you obviously can't control other people, and so if others are resistant to doing it for whatever reasons, okay, and you can't make it happen through your cajoling and your asking and your pleading, et cetera, and people are just refusing to to do it, then you then have to accept that reality. This is how my family is. They're not going to come together as I would like them to. So 
you're going to have to do what you have been doing, is going here to visit this person, going here to visit that person, going there to visit that person. Because what's important to you, ultimately, is that I stay connected to my family. And so if I can't get them all to come together, you know, to have one big celebration or a couple of big celebrations, which is what I would love to see, if I can't get that, at least I know I can still go and see so-and-so, see so-and-so, and see this other person. But I would try it. I would go for it if it's important to you. Because I've, I've been watching Christmas movies the past couple of days, and I just, like, thought about my family coming together, like what it would look like, and it kind of hurt me, and it kind of hit me hard that it's not going to happen. So Triggers, triggers. Right. That's our show topic, triggers. But so I want you to try what I've I've suggested, and it doesn't just have to happen for the holidays. I mean, it could be it could happen for you know any 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 time any weekend. You can try and get the family together. I want you to try that and let us know how it has worked out. Even if it doesn't work out, we want to know. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. All right, sir. Thank you. You have a happy holiday. You too. <clears throat> That's you. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Families, one, one from the opposite end of the spectrum. Yep. And I didn't even think. You know, I thought maybe you know, like TV, right? Obviously, people who advertise through commercials are advertising for this time of year. So you will see in an advertisement a family out shopping or people shopping for members of their family during football game or whatever, or uh, you're out, you're out in the mall and you're seeing people together. But I never, who knew that just some classic Christmas movies, of course, the families are all Christmas vacation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Griswold family Christmas. That's kicking up things for folks too. (laughs) So it's everywhere. It really is. And uh, that's why I wanted to mention, you know, that from the other angle as well. And funny enough, we got a call about that, but um, but yeah, that's serious. Yep. Uh, let's go to Melissa in Pacifica. Yes, hello. Um, cold over there. Mike. Cold, 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 cold over there. Cold and foggy, yes. That's the yep. usual. <laughs> um, so my question is, um, I have two really big reservations. Um, one is um, about my mom passing away, or when she does, because she hasn't yet. Uh, she's still around, and also um, my dog, who I've had for you know almost 15 years. Um, he's getting old now, um, and just you know, because he's my little buddy, he goes everywhere with me, and my mom's like my best friend. And um, those are two really big reservations I have that you know I'm struggling with. Really, I don't know if I can get through um, staying clean. You you term them as reservations. Mm-hmm. Why why do you why do you refer to them as reservations? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I've I've heard always that you know when you're in recovery, you're you need to be willing to go to any lengths to keep your recovery. And um, you know, I've heard the term that you know, oh well, if you still have reservations, then you're not, I guess, completely surrendering over to like the program or, you know, things. and um, 
a right, term I've just, heard used. All right, let me just stop you right there. I don't know who's been telling you that nonsense. Let me let me let me help you out there. <clears throat> okay. The reason I asked the question is because the term reservation or and and they whoever told you this missed the front word, which is mm-hmm. negative reservation. And that's when a person desire is thinking about, you know, hey, you know what, I think I can still, you know, have a drink. One drink ain't going to be too bad. And they're an alcoholic. Or, you know, I can just smoke one joint, you know, and, and, they, and they love smoking weed. Or, you know, they can hang out at this spot. And this is the spot they used to hang out with and get, hang out and get in trouble. Or, you know, I can still hang with this buddy real strong. And that's the buddy they did all their dirt with. That's a negative reservation. Mm-hmm. So it's not a reservation. We call it a negative reservation. Okay. What you're describing is you had you now. Did you say your mother passed away? No, she she has not passed away yet. Um, but okay. she is like my best friend, and you know my father, who I didn't have a great relationship, passed away um, this this year, and uh, that mm-hmm. was devastating enough. And I didn't even have a close relationship with him, you know, and right. so it just got me thinking about, well, what am I going to do, you know, when she does kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, but she's still alive. So you you do understand that's a, that's the human condition. It's not just for those in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um Especially when you say, you know, your, your mom is like your, you know, the relationship you have with her now is like she's your best friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see the, you know, the, I don't I don't know how old your mother is, but, you know, you, you see the, you know, you see the horizon. Mm-hmm. And you start thinking about, you know, what that's going to be like, you know, and what, how, how am I going to, what what's that experience going to be like for me? How am I going to deal with that? Well, you, you, Melissa, the human being, are mm-hmm. capable of dealing with anything that comes your way. You are capable of dealing with it. And you are certainly capable of dealing with it without any assistance from a substance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you have to choose how you're going to respond to it because it is a choice. It's not going to be an accident or a mistake. You're going to choose how you're going to respond to it. Yeah, and, there's right. an old, and there's an old saying, you just feel what you feel. So when that time comes, whatever it is that you feel, allow yourself to experience it. Allow yourself to feel it. Don't try and hide from it. Don't try and escape from it. Don't try and run from it. Feel it. Experience it. And you will realize on the back end that you can survive it. Hmm. It may be painful during the process. You will feel pain. You will feel hurt. You will feel other feelings, but you can survive it. And it certainly won't be a reason for you to go back down the road that you used to take. Yeah, I mean, and I and I and I know it's a choice. I know it is, and you know, it's just you know, when I was out there in my addiction, I used to use over a heck of a lot less than uh-huh. anything as serious as you know as that. So, it you know, it it just puts a question in my mind of yeah, if I'm gonna 
be able to make the choice to not pick up and use. You'll make the right choice. I hope so. <laughs> but I don't have to make that choice yet, which is good. Okay. One day at a time. Yes. For now, for now, enjoy today. Okay. Okay. Yes, I can do that with the holidays here. I can. That's right. Enjoy today and enjoy her and that dog of yours. Yes, enjoy I do. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Thanks, holidays. Bye-bye. You too. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye. So one trend, and we've had a couple of callers who are looking down the road at, this. at things that might be coming. Anticipating the storm. Yep. Um, but that's, that's human nature. Um, there's not really a, a means of uh, preventing that. It's just what people, you know, we, we all do it. We, we all do it. We all think about, you know, certain things uh, that might be coming down the pike and you know, what's that going to feel like. And, um, and even what she described, you know, she lost her, her father, you know, recently. And she knows what that experience is like, what it feels like, um, and is kind of predicting in terms of what that, you know, how she's going to feel and what the experience is going to be like again. And obviously maybe a little bit different um, with her mom because she states that she has a great relationship with her mother and didn't have such a great relationship with her father, um, which has the potential for other issues to arise. So I'm hoping that she will really dig dig down deep into that um that's definitely a trigger that is definitely a trigger so let's see who do we got here let's go to Paige hi oh, hi Paige you're calling from way 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 up north yes <laughs> How Actually, I'm in treatment right now. I'm good. How are you? Good. Good, good. Um, How can I help you? So I've been in a relationship for about seven years, and we've both been in our addiction. And um, we were recently incarcerated, and I got out, and now I'm in treatment and getting the help I need. But I'm really worried about him and what he wants. And um, I know that last time um, our relationship took us, took me out, and I'm worried about how this time around is going to happen I, I want to do something different but I don't know what I need to do you know all right I'm not trying to be a smart aleck I just need to get this answer out the way then we can get talking all right okay because you set yourself up so here's my answer do something different <laughs> <laughs> okay that's so easy to say but it's not as easy to do I've been right. my best friend for many years Okay. So you but you have a frame of reference where where this this happened before. Mhm. And what we want to do is we want we want to prevent this from happening again. We we don't mm-hmm. want this cycle to keep repeating itself. Yeah. So what you going to do? What he's am I going to do? Soon, right? Yeah, he's getting out soon, right? Um, out of my right? program? 
No, the, your significant other. The um, person am I getting you're, out of the relationship the person, soon? No, 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 no. You said you're in a relationship, right? Yes. And the relationship has been a, a relationship that included addiction, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you were both incarcerated during the relationship, right? For a moment, yeah. Yes, and then when you attempted to enter into recovery, the relationship, and he wasn't in recovery, the relationship dragged you out of recovery. And yes. you want to avoid And you want to avoid that same cycle repeating itself. Yes. Okay. So the question becomes, who is more important, Paige or the other person? Well, that's easy. <laughs> me, I'm I'm important. <laughs> okay, it's easy like you accuse me of. It's easy to say, but we judge right. you by what you do, not what you say, right? So yeah. we're going to look and see what you do. How do you show that you're you're more important than anybody else? You're the most important person in the world. How do you show that? Well, we're going to watch. We're going to see. Hmm. Is is go, is going back with this gentleman, this guy, more important to her than her getting her life together, her getting herself into recovery, her getting you know getting Paige back first? Mm-hmm. Or is getting back into this relationship, which has had its turmoil, its addiction, etc., more important? No one can put you in a headlock and make you do one or the other. <laughs> it's it's just really it's easy to it's easy to say, but it just seems so hard to do. Why? Because I've I've loved him for years, and I want to have faith in him. So. All right. Well, you said you said two things I don't like. Uh, I figured. <laughs> you said, and I'm gonna tell you why I don't like him, so that you don't can come up with your own idea. You said I've loved him for years, and I want to have faith in him. Mm-hmm. What I would like to hear, what I'd love to hear is, I love me, i.e. you, and I want to have faith in me, i.e. you. Okay, you, I see what you're you. saying. That's why, that's why I'm here. That's what I'm going to be working on. I need to fall back in love with myself. You're right. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get a little bit raw now. So strap on your seatbelt for a second. Okay, click. Okay. Because <laughs> we've seen way too many people get dragged out of their recovery because of relationships on both sides of the coin. You know, women mm-hmm. pulling men out, men pulling women out. Too many. Okay? Yeah. And the things you're saying are the, are the exact reasons why. Okay? Okay. Let me ask you, a, it's not a trick question, but it's kind of. Does this guy love you? Yes. Okay. Well, the ultimate way that he will prove that he loves you is by letting you get your recovery. That's right. That is the ultimate expression of love in this relationship that you're describing. 
I am not going to do anything that's going to harm you and prevent you from getting yourself straight and getting yourself where you want to be. And I know if I'm not in recovery or I'm not working on recovery and I'm going to come in to your life in the way that I have before, it's going to pull you out. That's not an expression of love. No. That's an expression of negative selfishness. There is positive Yeah, that's what addicts do, though. Addicts are selfish. I said negative selfish because there is okay, positive. Okay, that's even worse. <laughs> well, I have to clarify it because there's there's many good reasons to be selfish, and there are bad reasons to be selfish. This is an example of negative selfishness, where he's putting he would if if he does anything to jeopardize your recovery. That is not the ultimate expression of love. That's the that's the opposite. Yeah. I I I get it. And I feel the so, same way. If you so if if you so if you call him up and say, oh, you know what, I'm really thinking about leaving. I feel like using, and he doesn't say, you know what, you need to stay. Even if he's in his addiction, and he doesn't say, you know what, you need to stay. You need to stay there. You need to do what you got to do to get yourself right. If those aren't the words you hear, then you're not hearing the ultimate expressions of love. Well, I definitely know, I think I know what I'll be looking for to know whether or not he's willing to make changes for himself. Otherwise, it's just going to hurt me in the long run. Judge him based on what he does. Right. Okay. But in the meantime, it's all about you, 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 selfishness, positive selfishness. Yeah, you, selfish you, in my recovery. You. I've heard that one before. Okay. I'm going to try it's all it. About you. Okay. Okay. All right, Paige. Have a happy holidays. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. What is it about these relationships? Relationships. Relationships. Tell me about it. That is you, the downfall how of many, many. How many people I've seen over the years have their recovery ruined by relationships? Over someone else or something else. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big one. It's definitely a big one. We get we've gotten the question numerous times from callers about, you know, whether or not I should get into a relationship. You know, I'm young in recovery and, you know, when's the appropriate time? And um one of the things I don't know if you remember in one of our earlier shows, you know, our caller from New York, Catherine, said you shouldn't be focused on anything but you. Forget all that, that nonsense about relationships. I do remember that. Okay. And, and and there's a good reason for that advice. You know, I mean, we've seen so many people get thrown off course. And I, and and the the caveat I've always given is that that advice I wouldn't apply to someone that, you know, they come in they're already married or they come in and they're already involved in a in a relationship and the person on the other side is a positive support. That's different. But when you got two people that are addicts and or, you know, people who develop, get into relationships while they're in, you know, the, those delicate parts of their recovery. You know, if you're not, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to find yourself back in your addiction. I mean, that that's as raw as I can put it. I've said numerous times that relationships are, I think it's number one, but I said one or two. 
my 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 number two would be inability to deal with boredom. Yeah. Sometimes people laugh when I say that, but you'd be surprised how many people got high out of boredom. Yeah, when you have too much time on your hands. Yeah. Um. But I, I wasn't. Uh, I don't know if you noticed if you heard her when I hear the giggling. You know, in the back. You know, as we're talking about that subject, uncomfortable. The it tells me that the mind isn't where it should be. Right. You know, I mean that there's some space there for the guy to get in there and you know, <laughs> yeah, get to work. Get to work. You know. <laughs> right. There needs to be that in, that door needs to be dead bolted, slammed shut. shut. Right. <laughs> it's all right. about you, man. Not about anybody else. Absolutely. Or woman. And I said man, but or woman. That's right. It's That's all about, right. It's all about you. That's right. You want to, uh, before we take another caller, you want to do a quick little music break, get let's, to the callers on the other end? Let's do that. All right, perfect. For those of you on hold, we will get to you. We are going to take a short music break, and we will catch you on the other side. Hang all the mistletoe, I'm going to get to know you better. This Christmas And as we trim the tree How much fun it's gonna be Together This Christmas The fireside is blazing bright Whoa, uh, We're caroling Through the Look cool. 
All right, welcome back to Roach and Recovery, our holiday edition. We are going to have a New Year's edition, right? We got to have a New Year's edition. Okay. Got to do it. All right. All right, let's go to holding patiently, David, San Francisco. Go, David. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, my question tonight is, is that I just came out of incarceration, and while I was in incarceration, I was in a very intense program that has, like, blast therapy and attack therapy and all that kind of stuff. And now I'm in a softer kind of environment in a program. What's the best way to adapt to that? Because I'm going to find myself getting in trouble when we do, like, groups and things. Meaning that how long were you in the uh program that was in the the jail or the wherever you were? Um, the, I was you, um, six months into that program. Okay. Describe have, Describe because you, you um just using your terms, I just want to make sure we're we're thinking about the same thing. You said it was uh you, you called it attack therapy? Yes. What 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 made it that? Um, it's kind of where you get into group mode with a whole group of people that of, of your peers, and if you had caught a feeling from them during the week about a situation, say the guy cut you in line, instead of confronting them there on the floor, you what they call drop a ticket on them, and then when group came up, you would get to bring it out in group, and it would be attacking their action, not the person, but attacking their action, and it would be a lot of yelling, cursing, and screaming. And so, what's the difference with where where you're at now? Where I'm at now is more of a, um, I'd say, want to say soft, soft and fluffy environment. And I'm just having a hard time because I, I get in, I'll get in a group and I'll start to really get to blasting somebody and they'll say, hey, you better calm down, you know, you get yourself in trouble. And I'm just having a little hard time with the transition because it's my first time ever being in a program. Um, outside of incarceration. I, I would advise you to uh, let your feelings come out. If, if 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 I'm thinking about the type of group that you're you're describing, um, mm-hmm. which is a pure feelings group, no intellect involved. It's about feelings. Your feelings should come out however they come out because I think when the and and I'm familiar see where you're calling from were you in the San Francisco jail or or the San Mateo County I was in San Mateo County but I'm from San Francisco okay all right so I I know the program that you're talking about so I understand the, the the difference in terms of the intensity um, mm-hmm. But in terms of how you express yourself, um, it should be how you really feel. It shouldn't be an act. It shouldn't be a put on. It should just be how you really feel and be and, and express it. Okay, that's what I kind of felt about the first one because I heard some accounts call it theatrics sometimes, you know. And that's we go through it just to get the feeling out and try to go through the, you know what I mean? All the yelling and the. The name calling as well would be part of like the theatrics part of it. I don't know to intensify it. No, well, no, it shouldn't be because if 
you upset at somebody for something that they did, mm-hmm. then you're upset. Yeah. If you're angry at somebody, if someone hurts your feelings, if you, you know, whatever it is you feel, that's what you feel. Okay. And the goal, the goal is to get the person used to expressing how they feel. Now, okay. here's the here's here's the caveat. All right. When you were in the program in the jail, one of the things I'm not sure if uh, I know the program, but I don't know it intimately. Mm-hmm. One of the things I don't know if they stressed is that the ultimate goal is to get the person from a point of expressing how they feel just rawly, however it comes out, to learning how to express themselves in a way that's appropriate for the environment that they're in. Okay. So you you can't be in the supermarket and someone cuts you in line and you express yourself like you're sitting in a treatment program in a group. Yeah. That wouldn't gonna, be appropriate. No, I can imagine. That would be you know, people, pretty scary for a you, person that has never heard of anything like that, you know? Right. People are going to turn around and look at you and wonder, do we have to, do we have to call the, the authorities or something? You know what I mean? So exactly. there should be a, as time goes on, okay, what used to make mm-hmm. you angry doesn't make you angry. It just, you know, peeves you and, you, and you learn to express that. And But the whole goal is, is I, I don't know if you were listening to previous callers, you know, when people leave a treatment setting, mm-hmm. the biggest difficulty they have is dealing with their inter and intra-personal relationships, relationships within their family and relationships outside of their family, okay? Yeah. And how they relate to people and express themselves is where the difficulty comes. Yeah, and so and that's my fear group, when it's all said and done. I don't want to go out and be blasting people in the supermarket or at the no, gas station, yeah, you know nah, what I mean? No, nah, no, nah, man. That's, you, you, you slowly move away from that. Okay. So you slowly get to a point where you can be angry at something and express yourself in a controlled, dignified, respectful manner. The person will, will can get the person knows you're angry, okay. but you're not going crazy. I got you. You know what I mean? But in the beginning, yeah. in the early days, while well, you know, yeah, we want you to express it, you know, just get it all out, get that negative energy out, okay? Yes. But over okay. over time, you you learn to modify it. Yes. Okay. And that's where I'm. I kind of feel like I'm in finishing school now. <laughs> at my new program, you know what I mean? Getting used to make that transition. Yes. Yeah, to where I could speak to somebody on a respectable level and be a part right. of you know society again without making anybody feel like they're threatened. Exactly. Okay. And not, and not just people out in, not just people out in society, but people that you're going to be dealing with in your interpersonal, intimate relationships. Yes, family and you know everybody. I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Tr- okay. Trust me. You, trust me. They're going to push your buttons. Yeah, they're gonna push your button, so you gotta, you know, you gotta, you're gonna have to practice what you've learned in terms of expressing yourself, but in a certain way. There's a time, there's a time and a place. Uh huh. And I'm gonna have to learn how to give the appropriate response, right? Exactly. Okay. Okay. I see. So just be patient with it. It's gonna come. Yes. Okay. Well, I thank you for that. Um, the right. second part of my question is, is just a real quick one. How do I stop sure. myself from, like, future tripping so much? David, my friend, that is an age-old question. 
Yeah. <laughs> now, now, now you're you're in you're in you are in the treatment setting right now. So I I have to ask you this question, and, and then th- this may help alleviate some of your concern. Okay. Where I become concerned is if I see someone in a treatment setting, especially if they're in residential, sitting, looking out the window, looking at the clock, and watching the every hour of every minute of every day pass by. Yes. Is that what is that what you're doing? Yes. Okay. I do it a lot. You have to stop, you have to stop that. Okay. And usually when a person is doing that, that means they're not involved in the community uh-huh. as much as they should be. Because if you're involved, I mean really involved, mm-hmm. time goes by so fast and you turn around and six months, eight months, nine months has gone by and you look around, what, what happened? Where'd the time go? I, You know, I've, I've involved myself and really engulfed myself at times when I can focus up. And it does happen like that, but I'm just, you know, I got to get to the point where I can just hang on to that mode and stay in that mode. Yes, yes. And it gets yeah. hard. Yes, it gets hard. There's humps, and one day we're going to talk about humps. But and treatment some of them humps. humps can be holidays, right? Yes, yes, yes. And some of them are just markers in time. Three-month okay. hump, six-month hump, nine-month hump. And so we're going to talk about them in one of our, our future shows. But there's humps, and, and you experience like a... You look, you experience like a low, you know what I mean, and then you got to get uh-huh. picked back up again. It's natural, it's yeah. normal. You it can't is be normal. Up. That's Go ahead. all the time. All right, you can't be okay. up all the time. Okay, and right, you're sir? exactly right. I've seen that over the past um, several months that there is ups and downs, and I never really pinpointed it until you just said that the threes, the six, the nines, and it, it is kind of like that. And I got to like re, um, reborn, Reboot. you know, remake myself, kind of. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so keep it fresh, right? Yep. Okay, keep that desire fresh. Yep. You got to reboot. All right. Okay, All right. David? Hey, thank you so much. All right, you're welcome. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, too. All right, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Okay, let's go to special caller, Anthony Williams. Hey, good afternoon, Orville. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit nervous, Orville. Long-time listener, long-time friend. Yes. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Thank you very much, Orville. I want to just take this time on the eighth and final day of Hanukkah. I want to wish all my Jewish brothers and sisters a very happy Hanukkah. Yes, we certainly do. To you, my friend, I want to wish you and your family a blessed Christmas and a happy, healthy New Year. Thank you very much, Anthony. Same to you and your family likewise, and, and, and our families on the eastern seaboard. Thank you very much, Olga. I'm, I'm very much enjoying your show, show tonight. Thank you. You're very welcome, Olga. Well, that's all I have to say. I just wanted to wish everybody a blessed holiday season, and uh, God bless us all. All right. Thank you very much, Anthony. You're very welcome, and uh, I'm gonna, how about that, Joe Williams? How about them? All right, sir. All right, Bye-bye. All right, toodaloo. Toodaloo. The toodaloo is what Joe used to always say when he got cut off the phone. Yeah, toodaloo. Toodaloo. <laughs> it's a good one. That 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 is quintessential Joe Williams. Yep. <laughs> toodaloo, of course. 
That would be something he would say. You you received some special uh, treatment from Joe Williams, didn't you, during your... Uh... I, I essentially got all my treatment from Joe Williams um, to, I guess we could just tap in real briefly, a, a little brief insight. Um, I was a part of a program, and when I went to that program during the daytime while the residents went to school, I did not because I had already finished school. And uh, so Mr. Williams had his way with me during the daytime on uh, maintenance, uh, having me run errands with him. And I got to know Joe uh, pretty intimately and uh, quite the character for sure. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm sure he gave it to you old school, New York style. Yeah, I can uh, say in so many words there there <laughs> there might have been some some, are not fit for, some descriptions aren't fit for the airwaves. I know, I know. right? Yeah, there might have been some moments in the uh, in the basement where I was told <laughs> if uh, this makes it to the director, I might find myself in trouble. <laughs> but uh, just a great heart, just a just an absolutely pure heart, and um, you know, I attribute a lot of going through the program and where I made it today because of Joe, because honestly he was someone I spent the majority of my time with. It was just us two uh-huh. during that, during that day. So we, uh, since you didn't, since you had already completed school, we had to, uh, assign you. I think you were the first one we ever experienced that with. I think so. Yeah. I think I was told that. Yeah. And, uh, we had to assign you to the, to the maintenance department, uh, while everyone else was in school, and you got the benefit of uh, the Joe Williams uh, concept of side uh, treatment, by, side by side to the to the food bank, to Home Depot, to wherever. And his uh, his uh, trademarked nickname for me, Big Dumb Animal. And I believe even if that made it anywhere, you, you know, if you if it makes it to the director that I'm calling you a big dumb animal, we're gonna have problems. You know? So. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, it was uh, great times, good memories there. May I ask who was the director he was referring to? I, <laughs> if we want to drop names, I I believe he would say Lene from time to time. Okay. You know, if this makes it to Lene, uh, because uh, at the time we had an intern uh, who he was really really close with, and that intern went on to become our assistant director. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really the two of them mm-hmm. and, and me and. Uh, you know that was a spe- I got special treatment. We'll just we'll just put it like that. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Um. So I want to make a couple of uh, we're gonna wrap up our show today, our special uh, holiday show. And I want to make a couple of dedications with our last two songs that we're going to close with. Uh, first, of course, is to uh, my wife, two daughters grandson, two dogs, Bailey, the royal dog, <laughs> and, and, of course, and Sheba, the Rhodesian Ridgeback, the ridgeless one. I want to know if um, Bailey actually drinks her water out of fine china. Uh, it, it, it is a um, brushed <laughs> aluminum bowl. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, and also to my family back east, on the Eastern Seaboard, uh, a happy holidays to them, especially uh, my mother, and uh, also to my late father, because I know he's up there uh, listening to the show, and to wish them a happy holiday, a happy New Year, if we don't uh, touch base before then, um, but we are going to do a New Year show, so we're going to get a chance to wish them a happy New Year. That's right. And um, to uh, all those uh, my alumni, peers, and those in recovery, have a safe 
and happy holiday. You're up, sir. Beautiful. I couldn't have ended it any better, but also, yeah, of course, a uh, little shout out to my wife and my family, as well as friends and loved ones. And again, everybody out there, you know, in recovery, either actively in recovery or striving to get into recovery to keep your head up, be safe this holiday season. Uh, It's never too late to turn it around. The new year is right around the corner. And if we can, uh, you know, make it through this and appreciate this, we can make it through anything. So uh, that's all I wanted to say. We'll let Mr. Roach end it before we close you guys out with some holiday music. Yeah, I just wanted to add that the first song we're going to play is one of my mother's all-time favorites. That's all I want to say. All right. Okay, beautiful. All right, so again, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We wish you all a very happy holiday season, and we look forward to hearing you uh, call in and listen to us next Tuesday. Thank you so much.
for the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. In my mind. I sit around 
For this evening, thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCG and on Twitter at OCG You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. Until then, baby, are you gonna let a pussy down and make you cry? Don't you know?